Let's quickly stand and pray and ask God to speak to us. God, we thank You for this opportunity to be in Your house. God, uh, You say that we enter with thanks and praise. And even as we've done that, um, something spiritual's happened. We've entered into Your throne room. You say as we draw close to You, God, You draw close to us. So in this moment, will You transform us? Will You touch our life? Will You do miracles in our life, God? We also pray as You're about to uh, plant your, your Word in our hearts that our hearts would be ready. It would be good soil, that that Word would go deep down. We'd not only be hearers of Your Word, but we'd be doers of it. We submit to You now. We want to do Your will. We resist the devil. We thank You that he has to flee. Pray hedge protection on us and our children. We pray in this hedge protection You would minister to us, bring breakthrough, bring freedom, and guide us. If anyone is without hope, I pray You'd knock on the door of their hearts this morning so that they can open up that door and receive You as their Saviour. In Jesus' name. Everyone believed it said? Amen. Awesome. You guys can take your seats. It's so good to be in the house, to be in church. To our first time guests, good morning. My name's Andre, and we're so glad you could be a part of the service. Of course, we want to help you. If you want more information, we want to help you take a next step. And like you heard from the guys, we have Growth Track first Tuesday of every month. That's the first step we encourage people to take. But if that's a bit of a long way off, you can also jump into a view group. And you can, of course, go to the banner as you walk out the door, you'll have, there's a banner there and you'll be able to get connected. You can also do that online. So for our mo- Mother's Day next week, we're going to be celebrating our moms and, and doing our final topic uh, in our wisdom series. And we're going to speak about uh, how wise it is to honor. Okay, so don't miss out on that. Bring your family. Uh, we're going to have some fun together as well. Um, so don't miss out on that. And then um, the following Sunday, we will then go into our brand new series in, uh, from the book of Galatians. And that's going to be an awesome time for everyone to jump on board. Uh, we're going to get to read through the book. It's not a long book. You'll, be able, you'll have more than enough time to actually read through the whole book. And it gives you an opportunity to read together with us uh, from a book in the Bible. And you'll also be able to understand the context um, of that book, who it was written to. And, and it just gets into, it's a healthy practice for the church that everyone goes through a book in the Bible together and, and you actually get used to reading through a book in the Bible, understanding who the author is, who he was writing to. So why don't you do that? And we, we're going to put out a devotional in that time and we're going to invite you, maybe for the first time, just on a four-week view group journey where you actually jump into a view group for four weeks, just a four-week commitment, and you can actually see how it is to do life in a circle and also to discuss Scripture because you're not going to learn as much um, by hearing um, as much, of course, um, as you'll learn as you discuss uh, discuss it. So why don't you do that? And then after that series, we're going to go into an encounter series and we're going to look at uh, men and women in the Bible who had encounters with God and what it led to. And, and how that every encounter should have a two. It shouldn't just be a, a, an experience. It should be an empowering moment that leads you to a next step. And, and after that, we are doing our mid-year fast. Okay, and we do 21 days beginning of the year. We do a mid-year fast and we do five nights of worship. You might do a Daniel fast. You might do a full fast. You can decide you might do a social media fast. But we use that middle of the year to just reset. We we tune back in our volume. Maybe you feel like your volume has been turned down. Spiritually, you don't feel led by God. You feel like your flesh has taken the front seat. 
or maybe um, just your relationships other than God um, has taken the front seat in your life. The fast just tunes you back into your relationship with God. Um, you're, you're feeding your, um, your spiritual life and, and, and you're hearing from God again. And you're going, okay, God, we've got another six months to go. I want to do this, be led by you. So it's a great season. We'll, we'll, and the encounter series will stir you up to want to be in those moments. And I've always told you, you might not be fasting. You don't have to tell us. You just come to the, the worship evenings and you tell people how hungry you are. They will just believe you. But you're saying how hungry you are for God, clearly. But anyway, so, and, and, but, but what I'm trying to encourage you to do is take that step. Because as you draw close to God, draws close to you, that fasting time is a time where you step towards God. It's not about what, just what you're stepping away from. It's about what you're stepping towards. So don't miss out on that opportunity. As you go on the journey, Book of Galatians, Encounter Series, Mid-Year Fast, and then, of course, we go again. So we've been doing a series, a wisdom series, and the, the question we're asking, based on your future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Based on your future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? And this is a question Andy Stanley asked years back already. I told you guys a story of a friend, phones me, says, I've had a terrible day, can I see you? Um, I said, I'm at the house, and he comes, knocks on the door. This is uh, quite a few years back, and he gets here. I open the door. He says, I have had the worst night. I said, so what happened? He says, uh, my wife's just left with the kids. He said, I had a few beers, and, and previously I used to drink quite a bit, and uh, just the smell of alcohol brought all those memories back to the forefront of her mind, and she was furious. She took the kids and left, and he said, I'm so angry, she's trying to hurt me, I love my children. And he went on to tell me what he was going to do, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get her back like this. And he told me, so I said, okay, well, based on your future hopes and dreams, what do you think is the wise thing to do? And he was like, what do you mean? Because he, he was flustered. I said, no, I said, when your daughter gets married, you've got three daughters, when they get married, do you want to walk them down the aisle? He said, yes. I said, I'm sure that can still happen. I said, but at the, the wedding, who would you like to dance with when your daughter does her first dance with her husband? He said, uh, my wife. I said, okay. I said, and at the, uh, let's say when you're 70 watching a sunset, who would you like to watch a sunset with? He said, my wife. So I said, okay, well, based on that future hope and dream, what's the wise thing to do? And he said, I know exactly what to do. Jumped back in his car. I was like, hey, where are you, like, you know, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to go say sorry. And you know, every one of us need a moment where we have somebody ask us a question that helps us make a wise decision. A lot of us are isolating ourselves. We're emotional. We can even justify our emotions. But we're not actually getting into God's word or having people around us who can ask us questions that will save us from regret. Of course, the Bible says the, the wise person takes God's word, applies it, and he ends up building his life on a, a rock. The unwise person doesn't apply God's word, and they build their life with inferior material on sand, but no one knows the effects until a storm comes. A lot of us are making decisions, living in a direction, and we're on our way to major regret. We just don't know it yet because we haven't experienced the storm. But wisdom helps you build differently and helps you move away from facing major regret. Wisdom saves you from regret. Wisdom also allows us not to trade what we want most for what we want in the moment. So we've been encouraging you to make wise decisions 
And one of the decisions, one of the wise decisions you and I can make is to live content, um, to, to be grateful for what we got. It's one of the wisest ways you can live. And I'm going to deal with that this morning. The reason I say it is because if you're living in the other direction to being content and grateful for what you got, you're going to be living in envy. Proverbs 14 verse 30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Envy is outworked on the outside, but it does its most destructive work on the inside. And we need to be people who are, decide not to live down the road of envy. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 4 says, uh, I've observed all the work and ambition motivated by envy. What a waste. I've observed all the work and ambition motivated by envy. What a waste. So for us, if we are going to walk down the road, the envious road, we we're not going to fulfill God's purpose for our life. Um, and, and we we're going to find that our life is a lot emptier than we hoped it would be. Of course, as humans, we're naturally interested in other people's lives. Um, it's part of our wiring. So it's, it's not like a bad thing, but if you let that part of your wiring dominate you and go down very unhealthy roads, then yes, it's going to rot your bones. But, but there's nothing wrong with, with seeing, noticing what somebody wears or uh, what they have, how they act. Um, I think we can learn so much from each other and we have to be lifelong learners. We, we have to be inspired by our, our, our people around us and I think you are inspired in a healthy way when you can celebrate people. But when looking at other people's lives makes you envious, you are getting, you're going down a road that's going to empty you of life. So it becomes a problem when we, we end up envying what they have and resent what God's given us. We actually end up rejecting how God made us and we're actually living in a trap. It's an envy trap. Of course, technology is allowing us to, to live in the trap way more. We are way more aware of what people have, how they live. Uh, and of course, we understand that people aren't going to be, they aren't going to wish us the real side. They're going to give you the highlight reel. But we are very aware of what's happening around us. It's the most common reason people miss out on the destiny that God has for them. You know, a lot of people would think something else on the top of the list. Why are you not fulfilling your destiny? Well, it's because I struggle with this or that. No, no. Envy is the number one reason people miss out on the destiny God has for them. And envy is all around the world. You can find it in any age group. Um, you can find it in any economic group, any ethnic group, and you can find it everywhere on the planet. Envy is everywhere. Why does she get to live in that house? Why does he have that? Why does she have that job? Uh, why do they seem more attractive? Or why are they rich or smart or famous? Envy distracts your focus away from what God wants you to do in your life. And it refocuses your attention on what you don't have. So envy is the reason you miss out on your destiny. Because God's never going to ask you about something you didn't have. He's always going to ask you what you did with what you already have in your hands. 
He's not going to ask you about an opportunity you missed out on. He's going to ask you about the opportunity you've got. What are you doing with it? But envy will cause you to overlook that opportunity, to even despise that opportunity. And it ends up sidetracking what God's plan is for your life. Envy detours your life. And here's the crazy thing. Envy will always lead you to a dead end. You have to tell yourself that. Whenever you're going down the road of envy, you wake up in the morning and you're going down this road because you're envious. Because Solomon says, I've seen all hard work and toil and it actually comes because of envy. Hear me what I'm not saying. He's talking about hard work and toil beyond your boundary lines where you're working just to keep up with the Joneses. You're not actually just being a good steward. Because good stewards, the Bible says, sleep well. But envious people tell us they have no time to sleep. There's too much work. If you are going down that road, you're going down a dead end. Yes, the crazy thing is some of us only find out it's a dead end way too late. And that's what Wisdom's trying to tell you. Don't wait for the storm. Don't wait to find out way too late. Identify that it's envy and decide not to walk down that road. You know, when you're driving, like my dad, I know it like the back of my hand. Next thing we're driving down this dead end. Hey, Dad, did you realize that in your back of your hand there was a dead end? Anyway, but um, well, they've changed it since I've been here. We need to know that the Bible directs us. Envy, it, 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 um, Brings about huge emotions. Come on, when you're envious, you actually use a lot of your emotional energy. Anyone ever experienced that? But the crazy thing is, even as you use emotional energy and, and maybe work and toil, there's no payback. There's no payoff. It's a dead end. Because the Bible says you see people who love money and they just want more and they work hard and somebody else spends it. It's quite crazy. I had people like, oh, I'm going to sort my will out now. I'm going to control everything. Because you've already decided that God's not the boss. Now you're just going to become a control freak. Yes, I'm not saying don't be a steward. I'm not, I'm not speaking. Stewardship is wise. And it will give you peace and you'll sleep well. Of course, when you're envious and you go down that path, you, you'll miss out on your purpose and you'll lose your joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Envy will take you down a path where you probably are going to burn out. And of course, even as we envy other people's lives, we actually insult God. God, you made a huge mistake with me. You could have done better, God. Why did you mess up with me? If I were God, I would have made me more like that person. In a way, envy is like a spiritual rebellion based on ignorance and arrogance. Because Scripture says his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. We're going to have to, in this life, decide to trust God 
The crazy thing is as soon as you decide to do that, not walk down that road of envy and be a steward of what God's given you, all of a sudden you're going to start to enjoy life. I think stewardship is one of the best gifts you can give to yourself. You have a look. You work hard, you'll sleep well. You go to work and do nothing, you'll find that you can't rest. This amazing gift and blessing when we are stewards of what God's given us. So we assume that we have a better plan for our life than God, our Creator, planned. Of course, the Bible reminds us that we shouldn't be presumptuous. In Romans 9 verse 20 says, Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, Why have you made me like this? Of course, God's saying, hey, don't get into that space. That envy will take you down that road. That's not wise. Envy is such a destructive attitude that God outlawed it in the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Of course, coveting is another word for envy. God absolutely prohibits us from envying what others have because He knows the damage it does. It damages you, me, our bones, and it damages our relationships. It damages our marriage, our our relationship with our children. If you and I can live content, We can teach our children that God's never going to ask them about somebody else's destiny. He's always going to ask them about theirs, what they did with what was in their hands. But if we can't get it, how can we teach our children to live in this freedom? Of course, the harmful effects of envy. Envy denies your uniqueness. There's no two human beings that are alike on this planet. Even identical twins aren't completely identical. You have a unique thumbprint, eye print, voice print, footprint, and heartbeat. No one has ever been like you and will ever be like you. You're God's masterpiece, and His opinion counts the most. I remember doing art, and I told me the story. I, I handed in my, my paintings, and I didn't accept it. And they said, you got a week to sort out four paintings for, you need six paintings. I was not the greatest art student. I borrowed some paint from friends. They were all contrasting colors. So I thought, hey, let me work with this. I used the contrasting colors and I, I drew distorted faces and animals. And I wrote, you know, we don't take time to get to know each other. And we're so different. But when we come into contact with each other, we hit so hard that it creates distortion. Super deep. I put it up in my, my corner. They didn't give me one of the, the better corners. And my friends, they had done paintings. Some of them spent six months on it. They were all trying to get into the National Art Gallery. And their paintings were incredible. Like we were all around again. Oh my hat, you're brilliant. Well done. Nobody looked at my, I think they even turned the lights off to not scare people. <laughs> and they came up. It's crazy. Every, we all had our opinion. But there was one person's opinion on that day who counted the, who's counted the most. 
the National Art Gallery person gets up there and said, hey, we just want to uh, congratulate you guys on your work and we want to give out the award for the, the, uh, the, the art prize. And it's actually a teacher now, um, Cleanthi, uh, her surname was Yangia. She's actually Telvi Primary. Her and her, her and her husband teach there. And she won the art award. And it was a brilliant art. Said, and she's got a painting going to the National Art Gallery. And then they said, and so-and-so's paintings also going to the National Art Gallery. And they clapped. And my friends were all waiting. They'd done such hard work. And they said, but before we leave, we have to let you know that there's a German expressionist in our midst. <laughs> Andre Kreuth has got three paintings we've chosen to go to the National Art Gallery. And I was like, I told you guys so. <laughs> I was shocked. I'm like, sorry, did you guys make a mistake? Because I like, everyone's opinion about my art changed because the opinion that counted the most said it was good. You have to get to that place where the person's opinion that counts the most is the loudest voice in your life. And when you let God's voice, whose opinion counts the most, be the dominant voice in your life, you're going to start to enjoy your life. And you won't get into the trap of envy. Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. You know, when you can celebrate how God made you, you'll be able to do what God's called you to do. But when you stop celebrating how God made you, you're going to struggle to do what God's called you to do. And there's such a joy in doing what you were made to do. When, we, when you envy others, you can't see the amazing value of your own unique shape, how God made you. Of course, envy blinds you to yourself. And you miss out on living this life because you can't see that God didn't make a mistake with you. Scripture says that He saw every day ahead of you and then He put you together wonderfully and skillfully. I always think He sees, okay, Andre will need to be made like this to face that day, to, to fulfill His destiny in that day. To do. And so every day ahead of me, I'm actually being made perfectly for in Christ. But if I do it with Christ, I can be more than a conqueror. I can enjoy this life. So I wake up and things come my way and I remind myself, God made me for today. He saw it before I was even born. So sometimes today can throw me some curveballs, but I've been made to handle them. And how much more will I get through today and build for His glory by holding His hand, by being led by the Spirit of God? Because so when you and I stand before God one day, God's not going to ask us, why weren't you like the people next door or like your parents or your neighbor or, or some celebrity? It's more likely that God will say, why weren't you more of what I intended you to be? Why weren't you more like I actually intended you to live? And here's the thing, I've mentioned it, there's nobody else can win in your lane and there's no traffic in your lane. It's almost like the My City bus lane, your lane. 
on a busy day to work. Why can't I drive down that lane? You can. God's got your lane. You've got your own lane through this life. And nobody else can win in it. So why are you trying to run in somebody else's? Because you'll never win in theirs. Enjoy your life. Luke 9 verse 62, but Jesus told him, anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I planned for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. It's quite a strong scripture, but we see God's trying to tell us, don't get distracted. I've got a plan for your life. I've got a lane for you to run in. Don't be preoccupied watching what others are doing, wishing you had what they had. You'll miss out on seeing what God is doing. Of course, envy is gonna cause you to spend yourself, misuse your time and your energy. And Solomon told us, I mentioned the front end, Solomon noted that envy is the reason most people overwork. Have you seen all work and toil? It, it stems from, from envy for others. Of course, he says like this in one version of scripture, I've also learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because they envy the things their neighbors have but it's useless. It's like chasing after the wind. In the NIV, it says, and I saw that all toil and all achievements spring from one person's envy for another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. There's no finish line, it's endless. Fools fold their hands. Of course, then he goes to the extreme. He says, some people chase after the wind. Other people fold their hands and ruin themselves because they go, I, I, I can't be like anyone. I've tried to copy other, and I just can't do it. So I'm gonna do nothing. He says there's foolishness on both sides. There's a foolishness of overworking yourself and there's a foolishness to sit down and do nothing. You're gonna have to find that balance. And that's why he says, here's the balance. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. If you are living with one handful, you're gonna work hard, sleep well. You're gonna work hard, enjoy your family. You're gonna have the faith to put your work down and be present because if you don't, you will try to use both your hands to close your hand on something you can never catch, the wind. You know, one day we'll, we'll pass away and, 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 and hopefully we're not gonna look back and go, I spent my life trying to catch, catch the, the Cape Southeaster. I got nothing from it. And then realize that you could have worked hard with one hand and closed your other hand on your wife's hand or your kid's hand. Why are you closing your hand on things that are meaningless? And of course, Solomon's saying they only become meaningless when you try to get two handfuls. You're called to be a steward. You're called to work well. But the tranquility and satisfaction and peace is to have one handful, not two handfuls. And you'll know when you are chasing, can't rest, I need to do more work. But there's this tranquility, there's this peace. It's a miserable way to live, it's useless. And you have to tell yourself, whenever you start going through this life to get more because you're envious of others and you're working hard, missing the opportunity to be with God, be with your family, enjoy your family, your children. You have to tell yourself, that's just chasing after the wind. 
I don't do that. And there's no finish line in that. Of course, envy is the enemy of contentment. Proverbs 23 verse four, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Envy leads you um, to other sins. It's actually one of the seven deadly sins, envy. It's, these are the, the root sins that have many other effects in sin. James 3 verse 16, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Envy causes disorder. When there's disorder in relationships, you will find there's probably envy or selfish ambition at the root of it. If you can drop the envy and the selfish ambition, you can see a unity. And wherever there's unity, God commands a blessing. Can envy cause people to lie? Yes. Can envy cause people to steal? Yes. Can envy cause people to murder? Yes. Right throughout the Bible, Cain killed his brother Abel out of envy. Joseph's brother sold him to slavery out of envy. Saul tried to kill David several times out of envying his popularity. The Bible's clear about Jesus going to the cross. It says in Mark 15, 9 to 10, would you like me to release to you this King of the Jews? Pilate asked. For he realised by now that the leading priest had arrested Jesus out of envy. Envy is a dangerous thing. Selfish ambition is a dangerous thing. You have to eradicate it. Here's some simple steps. Stop comparing yourself to others. And I've said it in this message. It sounds so simple, but, but, but we have to stop. Because comparing is the root. You, you're going to say, how do I get to the root of this problem? Well, you have to stop comparison. That's the root of the problem. You can try to cut the fruit off, but you have to get to the root. Comparing is the root and you have to stop yourself. Unfortunately, from the time we, we started to walk, even before that, we started comparing. Your, your sister or your brother might have got a bigger ice cream than you. And you, mom, the ice cream is bigger than my ice cream. Have you ever, come on. We, it's in us. But, but if we can start to teach ourselves that this is an unhealthy thing to grow in. Because here's the thing, you see your child start comparing their appearance, the, uh, the grades they get at school, athletic ability, other talents. Adults compare clothes, cars, homes. The Bible says to, in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with, um, with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Why is it foolish to compare yourself to somebody else? Because you are incomparable. It's, you have to settle that. You are unique. There's no one like you. So you cannot compare yourself. It's a lie of the enemy. God made you with a fingerprint. He's made you in a unique way. Of course, the, the other side effects, like I've said, when you compare yourself, there's pride, there's envy. And then, of course, pride and envy, all disorder and sin comes. And, and it's hard because we live in the land of Ur. 
don't know if you know it. You go, I live in South Africa. No, no, we live just in the land of Ur. Why? Well, where people are richer. They are skinnier, smarter, taller, prettier, happier, hipper, marrieder, singular. I don't even mean like single, but anyway. And that's what Solomon would say is a chasing after the wind. You will always have an opportunity to chase after the wind. You're living in a place where you can chase after the Southeaster, but you have to remind yourself, that's a waste of my life. I do not chase after the wind. There is no wind in comparison. As soon as you start comparing yourself, you have to remind yourself, there's no win in comparison. I'm not going to do it. Number two, celebrate God's goodness to others. This is something I mean, uh, want my children to grow in, Juliana and Zara. Because there's such a, if you can learn it at a young age, you'll realise the freedom it brings. If you can celebrate others, you can release yourself from comparison and you can really enjoy life. And of course, here's the rule. People go where they celebrate it, not tolerate it. You will make your circle bigger. <laughs> but if you cannot, always not tolerating people and you can't celebrate them, don't be fooled when you wake up all alone. Romans 12 verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Yeah, the second part's easier. Hey, even we can mourn even with our enemy at their loss. But can we rejoice? Come on, you, you see a person get a breakthrough. When last have you thank God for somebody else's breakthrough? It's so awesome to see that. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for that family, their marriage, their children. We need to be people who can celebrate others. The reason we don't celebrate others is because we think there's a limit to God's grace. Like, like, look at their breakthrough. Did they get the breakthrough anointing and there's nothing left? We serve the God who's unlimited. There's no limit to Him. I promise you, you'll position yourself for all that God has for you when you can celebrate others. You are not losing out as you celebrate. But as you don't celebrate, you do lose out. And then lastly, uh, just be grateful for what you have. Gratitude makes what you have enough. Um, What if you woke up tomorrow with only the things you were grateful for? Would you still be married? Would you still have your children around? Would you still have the job you have? Would you still get to live in the best city in the world? We need to make a choice to be grateful for what we got. We need to make a choice to be happy now. See, if you don't know how to be happy with what you have, you'll never be happy with more. Because wherever you go, there you are. Don't fool yourself. You don't change when you get more. More exposes who you are now. (laughs) It's like a magnifying glass. And if you're unhealthy now, more will just show that you're more unhealthy. Get healthy. You want to close your eyes? Maybe you've been living in that trap and you've believed the lies of the enemy. He's told you you're not good enough. He's pushed you down and he's wanted you to open your eyes with comparison. 
He's wanted you to live down the dead end of the road of envy. He's wanted you to chase after the wind, have no peace, no satisfaction. And today you're saying no more. I want to live down the path that you have for me. That's you just saying that to God right now. God, I'm going to open my eyes. I'm going to see envy for what it is. I'm going to see comparison for what it is. I'm going to start living for you, God, and living out the plan that you have for me. Just in this moment, maybe you know that you actually have walked away from God. Even in this living this life, maybe it's because of envy comparison or maybe you've just because of hurt. You've closed your heart to God and you know you need to actually ask Him to be the Lord of your life. How do you know if He's Lord? Well, He's first your life. He's never come second or third. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Alpha and Omega. And, and maybe you need to ask Him to be first in your life. I want to lead you in a prayer where you ask Him First of all, to forgive you of your sins. The Bible says if we confess that we're sinners, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Then I'm going to ask you to pray with me and ask Him to be the leader and Lord of your life. If that's you, I'd love uh, to have the privilege of praying for you. Um, all you right now in this moment with every eye closed, just say, include me, Bob, give me a wave. Say, show me your hand. Say, include me, God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Just say, that's me, God Let's pray. Jesus, thank You for loving me, for dying for me. Your work on the cross is powerful and it's final. All sins have been paid for. I confess my sins. Thank You that You're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I also want You to be Lord of my life, the leader of my life. Have the throne of my heart. I put you first. I also thank you right now that your work is wonderful and you made me with your hands. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. I'm unique, incomparable. I'm a child of God with a wonderful future in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's just thank Jesus in His place. Thank you, Jesus. Can I ask Abraham to open the door? If you look just to your right, we will have men and women counselors. If you respond in any way and want to tell somebody, I always encourage people, if you've given your life, made a recommitment, encourage you to tell somebody, you can go there. If you want prayer in any way, you can make your way there. We've got men and women counselors. Remember at the back for new people, you grab your first coffee. Remember there's a TikTok booth, dance booth for all Mother's Day where the song's Green, Green Grass. Have some fun with it. Uh, tonight, Dieter will be preaching, so it'll be a different message. I encourage you to come out again. God bless you guys.